Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being here. We are a happily married couple with four children ages 10 through 2. And three. She's three. She's three now. Free. And, free. She's free now. And if, uh, if you want to know what the show is about, Molly and I typically sit down having not discussed anything before during the week. We discuss it on the show. <laughs> and it can range from everything from, uh, uh, it just, it range, it's a whole broad spectrum. So you're getting essentially just um, conversations between a husband and wife, completely unrehearsed and totally unplanned. Although it is a rare occasion that we do talk about something we've already talked about, but not that often. And about next week, or last week, I was gone. I'm sorry. I was gone for the whole week up at the cabin helping uh, helping my father-in-law take care of the place. And um, well, actually, uh, yeah, so we missed the show. Sorry. I, I was going to try to blog every day while you were gone, and I managed one. <laughs> hey, good job. One's better than none. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't even remember what I wrote about now. Um, you had It was quite interesting. I read it. Um, I don't remember. You either. can't remember now either. That's okay. No, I should pull it up. I got my tablet deep, here deep in my thoughts. lap. My lap. Uh, so what's new? What's going on in your world? Well, I read you a know, book while we were lover. at the cabin. An entire uh, book? Or maybe it was at, while you were at the cabin. Yeah, I read an entire book. Jeez. Uh, well, the trick is it's a kid's book. And oh. I've got it right here. It's called Raimi Nightingale by Kate DiCamillo. It's a... Um, Novel? It's a kid's novel, yeah. And my mom picked it up for Lily because a friend suggested when Lily went to camp that I give her something to read because it's an almost two-hour bus ride. And my mom picked this up for her because we love Kate DiCamillo. She, we love the Mercy Watson books. We love, we've loved because of Win Dixie. She's a really interesting one. I can't remember the title of it. Edward Tulane. I think is the title. Anyway, it's a it's kind of a a velveteen rabbit sort of story. Uh, the mysterious or the amazing journey of Edward Tulane or something. I'm going to look it up right now while we're talking. And while you look that up, you blogged about uh, Luke, Mary, and Martha, and then oh Joel right, and Jesus's an- answers are like the Netflix show, The Upside Down. The upside down. You not, I like, didn't write that. Stranger Things. You I've said Jesus's answers are unexpected. Oh, upside down, just right. like his whole invisible kingdom. Yeah, the miraculous journey of Edward Tulane. It's like a modern, sort of a modern, Velveteen Rabbit. Uh, anyway, we love Kate DiCamillo. Uh, what's the really famous one about a mouse that she wrote? Despero. She wrote the tale of Despero, Despero, which is probably the most famous one that she's done. Anyway, Ramy Nightingale. I, I'm actually, I don't think Lily would love this because she's so sheltered, she might find it unrelatable, but it's, so it's the story of this little girl and it starts with, it's a really fast read if you guys want to pick it up and it's like a $7 paperback on Amazon. Uh, it was very thought provoking to me because of my work with Canavox where a lot of our our work is promoting strong families really is at the core of it. And the promoting strong families is not because we're moralistic and we're just sticking to, we're telling other people what to do, but because science shows that kids do best when they're raised by their mom and their dad and specifically by their biological mom and dad but we understand that brokenness happens, and so adoption seeks to uh, provide a remedy for the brokenness that require that deprived a child of their biological parents. Uh, divorce happens, and sometimes that's unavoidable because of the brokenness of this world and the parents in that situation who then sacrifice tremendously for the good of their children understand the tremendous amount of emotional and mental strain and actually physical harm that the trauma of parental divorce causes kids and so so 
a lot of my Canavox work focuses on trying to uh, help parents or adults in general understand that as the less vulnerable, having more power members of our society, we're called to lay down our mm. lives and our desires for the rights and the needs of the weakest members of our society who are children. So that this book really triggered something with me because the story, let me read you a chapter. So she... You're going to read an entire chapter? Not an entire chapter. I'll read you a couple sections. So I think they have copyright issues with right. that sort of thing. So okay. she says, it was the summer of 1975. It was the 5th day of June. This is the middle of the first chapter. It was the 5th day of June. And two days before, on the 3rd day of June, Ramey Clark's father had run away from home with a woman who was a dental hygienist. Hey diddle diddle, the dish ran away with the spoon. Those were the words that ran through Ramey's head every time she thought about her father and the dental hygienist. But she did not say the words out loud anymore, because Ramey's mother was very upset, and talking about dishes and spoons running away together was not appropriate. It was actually a great tragedy what had happened. That was what Ramey's mother said. This is a great tragedy, said Ramey's mother. Quit reciting nursery rhymes. So, it was a great tragedy, this is a couple sentences later, because Ramey was now fatherless. The thought of that... The fact of it, that she, Ramey Clark, was without a father, made a small, sharp pain shoot through Ramey's heart every time she considered it. Sometimes the pain in her heart made her feel too terrified to go on. Sometimes it made her want to drop to her knees. But then she would remember that she had a plan. So that's the end of chapter Mm. one. It's a really, really heavy beginning for a children's book. Yes. And then what, where it gets really interesting from the child psychology perspective is chapters one and two start with this little girl faints uh, at the beginning of chapter one, and Ramey's frustrated because she's at a twirling, a baton twirling class, and there's only three girls in the class and this very quirky teacher, and... Ramey feels a wave of despair because this girl fainted. This wasn't a time for people fainting. She had to learn how to twirl a baton, and she had to learn fast, because if she learned how to twirl a baton, then she stood a good chance of becoming Little Miss Central Florida Tire. And if she became Little Miss Central Florida Tire, her father would see her picture in the paper and come home. That was Ramey's plan. (laughs) And so the whole rest of the book is ups and downs from first per, first person kids well not first person it's from inside her mind but it's a third person narrator and right. these quirky like she ends up in an old people's home with erratic old people screaming and it freaks her out <laughs> um, and mishaps like a girl flying down with a with a sick dog that they've happened upon flying down a street in a shopping cart that's not Raimi, and Raimi's chasing yep. her. Uh, so it's it's got, like, kid story mishaps, but I was thinking, wow, that was unexpected from Kate DiCamillo, and then I was like, well, actually it wasn't, because her famous story, Because of Winn-Dixie, the mother, go- the mother abandons the little girl and her dad, and then the psychological hang-up that the movie, that the book centers on, and the movie, I guess, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie, is that she's latched an inordinate amount well maybe not an well she's very attached to her dog that she found at a Winn-Dixie grocery store and so that's why the dog is named Winn-Dixie and she the dog goes missing and it's like a very very significant crisis and uh one of the things that Kate DiCamillo has I heard a podcast interview on Sarah McKenzie's Read Aloud Revival, and she asked her if this was deliberate, and Kate DiCamillo said, no, no, I've never thought about She ends almost all of her books with people gathered together, eating together. So think about all the Mercy Watson books. Have you read Mercy Watson? No, yeah, I've read almost all of them because I have children. Right. So if you guys don't know Mercy Watson, Mercy Watson is actually a pig 
who is treated like a child by a childless couple named Mr. and Mrs. Watson. And they've got these, is this whole series with very, very quirky neighbors. And it's hilarious and heartwarming. And our kids from every age love Mercy Watson. They're like short novels. So like a kindergarten or first grader, they're good. Like you could read it in one sitting longer form books. Read aloud. Anyway, they Mercy Watson is a pig who loves toast with a great deal of butter on top, which we in our family who believe that butter makes everything better absolutely love. I almost this Mercy morning I toast. almost changed. I almost cooked my own piece of toast because the kids wanted cinnamon sugar on theirs and so cinnamon sugared all of the oh, toasts yeah, I did that. that you do that. And I was like, I kind of just want butter on the sourdough, just warm butter on crispy sourdough, homemade sourdough toast. Speaking a little segue, I've gotten into this super millennial cliche avocado toast when we have avocados on I love hand. avocados. So an avocado... I had some avocado toast the other day. It was really good. Yeah, so a slice of my sourdough with a great deal of butter and then about a third of an avocado, half of an avocado is too much, and then... Uh, Trader Joe's everything bagel seasoning on top of the avocado. I had I had a great breakfast. I had a run going there for a while where I was eating just an avocado for lunch and it was lovely. A little bit of salt. Mm, Couldn't beat it. I must be getting old. I also like guacamole, so there's that. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. so, So Mercy Watson. The the books always end. The resolution for all the books is people are gathered in the Watson's bedroom. Or not bedroom, kitchen. That would be weird if they were in their bedroom. The books end with everybody gathered in their kitchen, and Mrs. Watson is making warm, better toast for everybody. And they're all like, like, there's the fireman. You and I do very different voices for Ned and Lorenzo, the firemen, who always get called in to rescue things. I I forget what voice. I feel like we've talked about this on the show before. Have we? About our voices for Ned Ned and Lorenzo and Mercy Watson. Anyway, so because we love them and we talk about things we love. So Ned, anyway, Ned and Lorenzo are always like, you haven't had Mrs. Watson's toast? Oh, you got to come have her toast. <laughs> so they, but, but the point, like you have this warm feeling inside because you're eating something familiar in a very warm, familiar, family loving atmosphere. And because of when Dixie ends, everyone's eating together and happy. And this book does not end like that. So it kind of surprised me. Um... And there's discussion questions at the end of it, because obviously she knows she's written a thought-provoking book, and um, I feel like she kind of missed some great... Like, the discussion questions are like, what words would you describe use to describe each of the main character girls? Do their friend does their friendship remind you of anything in real life? Who's the, um, who's the publisher? Um, Candlewick. Okay, because there was a book, that, a Christian book that came out that I read very recently. I forgot. Oh man, I forgot what it was. Oh, it. <clears throat> your mom got it for me. It's a it's a Christian fiction published by. I want to say Tyndale, maybe Harvest House. I don't remember. Um, a science fiction one, and it had, of course, because it's Christian, you have to have you have to have discussion questions for everything. Right. You can't just have entertainment for the sake of entertainment. Um, this isn't a Christian book, right? So those are going to be like book club book club questions. Yeah, but I was really disappointed with this particular book that I read because the discussion questions were uh, were horrible. Like, I, I mean, they were not horrible, but they're generic. They didn't take any thought, and it was like. What do you think of artificial intelligence? Huh. <laughs> you know, like for something that's supposed to be... So maybe it was more of a book club sort of hmm. discussion question thing. but Rather than Jesus discussion... Speaking of I'm Jesus discussion really questions, mm-hmm. uh, at Vacation Bible School today, the, the craft section, so there's like Bible verse memory and outdoor games and snack and a story... And then it used to be crafts, and now it's, they call it the Imagination Station. And it's it's kind of a craft, but it's a science-y sort of craft. And today's craft 
it looks is a cardboard tube with some holes in it and then you have this little stand that holds these two styrofoam balls and then it's almost like recorder holes on it so you blow through the tube that's plugged at the other end and depending on which hole you let the air come out it actually levitates the little styrofoam ball mm-hmm. so these like I'm the photographer for VBS, you guys, so I take pictures all day, and then I just put them into a little movie, and it shows on the screen when the kids are gathered in the in the sanctuary waiting for their parents to come get them in the closing like session for the day. So, so I'm going around taking pictures, and it looks like all these peak kids are smoking crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Except they're blowing into them instead of, you know, inhaling on them. But at the very least, they're all smoking cigars because of these cardboard tubes. <laughs> like slightly thinner than a cigar but the they start by talking about spheres and they this very sciencey thing that i didn't stay and listen to all of so i don't understand the point of it but they're all lined up this kids this class is all lined up to leave and i'm taking some pictures of them all blowing through their crack pipes and uh the teacher's like okay so what did we learn today about this like what does this sphere or what does the bubble remind us of and not a single kid shouted out jesus and i was so disappointed (laughs) because these are all church kids and they should know that the answer to every question you're asked in a church setting is jesus it could be god or the bible that's true it was actually something like sciencey that didn't have anything to do with jesus except that god's the creator of science okay but uh, I was, in my mind, I'm shouting out Jesus, and there weren't any adults around that I could share my Jesus juke laugh with. And I, so I have to say it now, because I, I had to keep it in my head and be sad that there was nobody else who thought that what does the bubble remind you of? Crack pipes! Would have been Jesus. Reminds me of my mom's boyfriend right. down on the south side. Right. So anyway, okay, so <laughs> Ramey Nightingale... There are two other books in this series that now I'm interested to read, because Ramey ends up being mm-hmm. best friends with... A girl named Louisiana and a girl named Beverly. The, the, the th- this is the three girls that start out in a baton twirling class. And this is the kind of the genesis of how they met. But then there's now a novel about Beverly and there's a novel about Louisiana. So I'm interested to read them because this is kind of a spoiler, but they're all fatherless in various because of various reasons and in various ways and for various amounts of time. But they have this bond. Is Kate fatherless in real life? I actually have no idea. I, I know she's not married and she doesn't have kids, which fascinates me because she and Sally Lloyd-Jones, you guys, who did the Jesus Storybook Bible and a number of other children's stories that we love, she's not married. She doesn't have kids. And she's also not related to Martin Lloyd-Jones. She Anyway, so they're, they have this insight into how kids' minds work and what will resonate with kids. And yet they themselves are not mothers. And I... Everything kid was so foreign to me until I had my own kids. And even, you know, Titus is 10. 11-year-olds are mysteries to me. Like, anything that I haven't actually experienced firsthand is beyond you've ex- me. You've experienced an 11-year-old firsthand. I don't count. That was too long ago. <laughs> okay. So, but but to me, I feel like as a as an adult who's interested in the psychological trauma that parental separation causes there's nothing in here i guess it's all for kids maybe the questions to consider are for kids but Mm. to me very few adults in her world step up and recognize it's just these these kids making their way through the world and they have this bond because they're fumbling through together and her mom is understandably i mean this is this all takes place within like two weeks of her dad leaving so understandably her mom is in a fair amount of trauma and is not really there for her daughter Hmm. um the person who is in my opinion like like who are the i would ask the question who who are the adults that Ramy is counting on here that are steady that she can rely on here? Mm. And it you know there is one adult who comes to mind from the book, and it's well, her dad's maybe you secretary. Can publish, maybe you can publish better discussion better questions. discussion questions for thoughtful people. Well, yeah, 
Maybe. It'd be a whole brand. So if better any of discussion you, questions better for dis- thoughtful people. <laughs> so anyway, if anybody wants to read Ramey Nightingale, I will have discussion questions. BDQ FTP. Come up with a t-shirt for that. <laughs> uh, no. That looks like a pair of anyway, nerd glasses. You know, like for, for me, I mean, even just the <clears throat> the question of from an adult perspective, and I think this is very true, when Ramey has this totally absurd plan to get her dad back by winning this minute little fashion show or talent show um Mm. and in her mind this dad is gonna see me and he's gonna think i'm worth it and so and that's that's a very very legitimate thing that kids struggle with if a parent is if a parent leaves the kid believes that it's their fault and even if parents verbally say it's not your fault that mom and dad are divorced or that mom left or whatever the situation is, kids take it upon themselves not only to create a narrative of why this happened, and that narrative often involves personal responsibility for these vulnerable and hopeless kids, but then kids also take it upon themselves to ensure the emotional and other well-being of both parents and the trauma of that doesn't doesn't surface until the kids are well into adulthood like 30 something and then they start processing I was never parented I spent my elementary years and on parenting my parent because they were so weak and hurt that I felt like I needed to step up and parent them. And that's why so many people think that the kids are okay wow. when their parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. And there's there's one really long-term study where this gal uh, followed and interviewed the children of divorced people like from the 80s until the early 2000s when she published her book. And so this, she followed them for like 30 years. And the kids who seemed to be keeping it the most together and they were academically successful and they were able to have calm conversations and they seemed like they were doing well they weren't having outbursts they were the ones who fell apart in their 30s because then they let their guard down and they started processing things and they couldn't keep up a relationship wow. with somebody and so um i guess the the point for me is from reading this book and for i know we have friends listening who are single parents. I can think of at least two, but I'm sure there's more. And the point is, like through through the Lord's grace to you, you need to help your kids grieve and hurt and not ask your kids to fill in gaps for you that they were not designed to do. And just to be I know I know that we have friends who are very, very conscious of this, of, you know, not only helping their kids process the loss of a parent that they don't understand and are angry about, but also um, not asking their kids to shoulder burdens from their own hurt or their own, the gaps that they have mm-hmm. that, um, that they're not designed to bear. And but that presumes that presumes they know what those gaps are, right? But I, I think I think there's a lot of great. I'm not I'm not familiar enough with them to recommend anything, but I know that there are resources out there for divorced parents who want to be aware of those gaps and who want to do the best they can for their kids and who don't want to just pretend that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, and that their kids aren't hurting. And I think what made me sad reading this book is is she and her friends are stepping in and filling that gap for each other, and they don't have any parents. There's no adult figures coming in and being the adults that kids desperately need, especially do when you, they're hurting. Do you think that's tied her approach to the story that that way is tied to kind of a trend I've seen in some entertainment 
television things for kids where the, all the adults are doofuses and the kids have to have to kind of rescue everything. But I mean, in that context, they're treating it as more of a, you know, more of a not great thing, more of a, you know, more breakdown of the family sort of thing. Do you think that she's taking that same approach deliberately because she sees a lot of failed, she's making a subtle commentary on parents? Um, I actually, no. If giving her the most benefit of the doubt, I think that she's writing to kids who's, for whom the adults in the world have failed them. Hmm. And so if you're reading this as a kid who is in, which is part of why I think Lily wouldn't really get this, is because most of the families in our sphere are intact biological families or, you know, some adoptive families, but with a mom and a dad. And so you don't have, you don't have this little group of kids who have no parental supervision during the day and, you know, are solving their own problems. And when a problem arises, they don't even have an adult that they can go to and say, hey, I lost my library book under a crazy lady in the nursing home's bed. Can you help me get it back? Like, they're on their own. And so for her, I feel like she's writing to validate the experience of a kid who would be in this situation, which is, let's be honest, like half of America. And she, like a book like this, I could picture a teacher, like a fourth grade teacher reading aloud to her classroom, you know, in a public school. And, you know, half of the kids can resonate deeply with this. And so in that case, she's actually offering them a an, something that validates their experience, but then also gives them this taste of hope that through my friends, I can create community through my friends that I'm not getting from the re- from responsible adults who should be doing this for me. So... I don't know. I mean, for me, it was a really depressing book because <laughs> because I just see so many gaps where I wish that she had an insightful, thoughtful adult stepping in and loving her through her grief and her loss. And I mean, more than that, like, I mean, there is one point where the nurse, she tells a nurse, like, my dad left me. And her nurse is like, your dad's a skunk. And, like, that's the only, like, adult who just calls a spade a spade, besides Raimi's mom, who says it's a tragedy and she's not allowed to say the dish ran away with the spoon. But, anyway, I'm interested to read the other two books in this series, but I have a feeling that they're similar, where the target audience is the kids who are being read aloud to in a fourth or fifth grade classroom who can look around at other kids who have experienced the same loss Mm. and find community and hope in their common experience and being able to be with each other through it. It's an interesting, uh, like target as an author to be, it's an interesting target to choose. I'd be curious to know why she chose that. I also feel like as a, you know, as a, a, hopefully responsible parent like it's a little bit of a call to kind of like look for people who you know kids who don't have strong adult figures in their life and be mm-hmm. a stronger adult figure in whatever way you're able yeah be open-eyed to if there are mm-hmm. cries for help and i'm doing scare quotes because air quotes they're not scare quotes in this case but because it's not necessarily a, a verbal cry for help. But, like, when you do judo and oh, little man. kids, you know, are climbing on you, that's an indication that maybe they don't have a dad who horses around with them at yeah, home. kind of, but all the kids. Like, if you wrestle with one, you get dogpiled that's by true. the whole that's class. True. Because that's, that's the nature, that's the nature <laughs> that's of kids. being a kid. Yeah. But, no, I see what you're saying. There are definitely some... Uh, I think there's definitely, like, especially being involved in judo, there's... There's, there are definitely some kids who, you know, a lot of them come from broken homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but when I first started getting involved in Canavox, your aunt, who is a therapist, told me a story of a gal that she had been working with for several years, 
and she had come from tremendous brokenness in her family of origin and wanted to work through that so that she could have a healthy family. And at one point, she told your aunt that the reason she even recognized that and had gotten herself into therapy was she had been left, like nobody showed up to pick her up from soccer practice or whatever, t-ball practice or something someday. And when she was a little kid, just, I don't know if her parents were addicts, but she, the coach and the coach had a daughter on the team, waited for like an hour and nobody showed up. And this is in the days before cell phones and things. Mm -hmm. And so finally coach took this gal who's now in therapy home and they fed fed her dinner with their family and it was like take out pizza but they all sat around the table mom and dad and kids and parents engaged with the kids in conversation and that was the only taste according to your aunt telling me this that's according to the girl in therapy that taste of an intact family triggered something in her that said what I have is wrong and Mm. uh, gave her a vision and a desire for something better and what a family could look like and so she was in therapy working her way with this vision in her mind of a family sitting around taking you know eating Domino's pizza or something but sitting around Mm -hmm. a table all together yeah And that to her was such a contrast that it stood out as a goal for her for the rest of her childhood and moving into adulthood. Yeah, I even just tonight, just today, right before the show, I was out in the garage um, doing some cleanup and all the kids came out. And for some reason, like, I don't know, it's some chain reaction thing. One kid comes and goes, I want to make something. And then all of a sudden, every kid shows up, and every kid wants to make something, take something, do something, craft something, as our kids do. And Lily's like, Dad, can I take this and hang it on the wall in my room? I'm like, yeah, sure, I don't need it. And I was like, well, why don't you paint it first? And you know, and she's like, okay, where are the where are the nails? And I'm like, well, actually, what you need, Lily, is you need these screws and this drill. And then I stopped and I said, I feel like this is an opportunity to teach you something and I don't have time to do it right now because I'm going to do a podcast with your mom. But like, here's how you find the studs in the wall. Here's <laughs> how you level things. Here's how you mark things. Here's where you drill. And here's the things about Lowe's. So it was just kind of funny. It was one of those, I know I've talked about it before, one of those times as a parent where we, you know, you recognize that you take, you know, you take things for granted sometimes. And there's a lot of opportunities to teach your kids you don't you don't bother to take. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was like, okay, here's one of those times I need to stop what I'm doing and just go show the kids how to hang something on the wall. Or, you know, I showed Tito how to use the chop saw today. He's like, Dad, I don't know how to use the chop They're saw. They're not today. using the chops out there by themselves, are they? Probably. He gets done he gets done making like three cuts. He's like, Dad, look, and he's got He's got the tape measure and he's got a pencil and he's marking. He's like, Dad, look, I still have all 10 fingers. <laughs> I'm not wild about them being out there while we're in our basement in a different building. Believe me, if something happens, somebody's running in here. Ugh, we still, will know. I don't. Ugh, uh, Even if he like chopped that. off a finger, he's not going to lose enough blood that's going to put him in tragedy. Uh, don't do that to me. We'll just um, put it back on. I'll tape it. We'll run into the hospital, and they'll sec- finish securing it. We'll probably go back together day. just fine. Oh, Operation Ouch! So if you guys haven't watched Operation Ouch with your kids, it's a pair of twin doctors in the UK who have a YouTube channel. That's it's it's so big. It's very highly produced now. But they and one of them is now married with a toddler. But they do very sciency medical stuff. But super fun show, super fun because they do like they gross out stuff too. And every now and then, like if you're squeamish, you should probably look away when we show the girl's burn on her foot or something. And they did one with snot that was just hilarious. There, well, they've done a couple with poop too. Oh, like funny. they actually had like a pig's sphincter because it's very similar to a human sphincter, like huh. right? <laughs> <laughs> and they'll like they'll show like they've made. A human digestive system and they add various things and then they literally like squish these plastic tubes with their hands to create poop the 
the world is so much more interesting now as a kid than when I was. Yeah. Anyway, my kids love Operation Ouch because it's hilarious, but it's also science. But there was a guy they were doing, like, people whose bodies have something a little bit off about them so they can do crazy things. Like, some guy has no cartilage in his nose, so he stands on a street corner with a bucket for money and, like, makes really funny faces that he can do because his nose squishes up really far. (laughs) And I missed the context. Like, some guy, like, oh, this guy is a toe wrestler. So, apparently, like, arm wrestling, you can do toe wrestling. And he's dislocated and broken so many toes that I don't know if this is true. But he said on the show that they... (laughs) He broke. He's broken several toes so many times that they've like ground the bone down and then sewn his toe back on after it's been broken. I don't know how that works. I gotta recheck that. Anyway, speaking of wow. cutting fingers off and stitching them back on, and I'll have links. I'll have links to all this great stuff in our show notes on being able to sew a finger back on. We don't um, need to what's be able our, to sew what's our time on. looking like? We've been talking for like minutes. half an hour. Um. So, speaking of VBS today, I've been appreciating as a mostly observer, I guess it's actually my job, as observing and taking pictures of fun activities that are going on. Uh, One of the funny things today, so the story, the Bible story today, VBS is so funny. It's so Jesus-jukey, and like the connections they make sometimes just crack me up. But the, the story today was Paul being on the ship and the big the huge storm and um so the kids have to pretend like they're in a big storm and all sorts of stuff like that but then the outdoor game thing they do the big circle parachute you were homeschooled did you ever play with the big circle oh, yeah. parachutes okay oh, yeah. so the big I, circle I think parachute. Awana, they started doing them in Awana too. yeah so so they have all the kids of not the preschool ones but the older kids doing this big circle parachute and they, they nominate one kid to be a shark underneath the parachute. And then there's one kid on the outside who's a lifeguard. And when the shark, like, crawls around under the parachute, well, the kids are all flapping it up and down. And if he grabs their feet and pulls them inside the parachute, they have, like, they have, like, three seconds to raise their hand. And if the lifeguard can get to them and pull them back out from under the parachute, then they stay alive. But if they get, if the lifeguard doesn't get to them in time, they get sucked under. And they, but then the the trick is it's kind of like a zombie thing because once they're under, right. they then become sharks. So eventually, oh, so it's a zombie shark. It doesn't game. the the lifeguard situation doesn't multiply, but the shark situation multiplies. So they all end up under under the parachute. And there's a variety of eventually of scriptural Jesus juki parallels we could come up with this I, one. It, sure. it was just the, you know, okay. Paul's in a shipwreck. If he fell in the water, maybe um, he would have gotten eaten by sharks sort of thing. Anyway. Um, speaking of sharks, here's another YouTube thing you can link. <laughs> this is so random. No, but um, Mark Rober did a really fascinating... Our kids, you guys, are obsessed with Mark Rober. Mark, Mark Rober is pretty fantastic, He is. Though. They also like his friend, Mr. Beast. I'm less, mm. less enamored of Mr. Beast. They love watching his stuff. But Mark Rober does a thing where he's testing out somewhere off the coast of Mexico that, you know, sharks can smell a drop of blood thing. So he's actually... Look, Titus just showed up downstairs with all of his fingers. He's oh, asking good. if he can have Kindle time. Um, he's, he's doing sign language I'm doing the a thumbs down. Right now, you what guys. do you think? He's going away. I, we don't have a chance to tell him otherwise. That's true. All right. Uh, so he actually tests... He actually has uh, the, the bags of blood that, you know, bags of blood. He has, like, he has cow blood, and then he actually uses his own blood... <laughs> And then he has like juice and then something else. And they're on, they're all on floaties a certain distance away from the, from the. Okay, now pause. Now, if you guys don't know who Mark Rover is, he's a former NASA scientist. And if you've heard, I'm sure everybody in the world has heard of the guy with the backyard squirrel obstacle course. Yep. That's this guy. The other thing he's really famous for is the porch pirate glitter bomb. Yes, and he's also had some infamy for tracking down those Indian scammers and helping those old ladies with another YouTube anti-scam guy. Huh. Yeah. I'm not familiar with yeah, that he's one. Did, he did a big whole anti... He actually yeah. found some mail fraud. They were going after old ladies and stuff, and so he worked with this guy to come up with like... 
how to scam using the scammers. The, using the glitter bomb. <laughs> oh, funny. So, so if yeah, he has a he has a whole. He actually now like does like a monthly science crate project thing. He's totally monetized. Well, he's really he smart. His he's stuff is really clever smart. And it's really he's cool. fun too. He's yeah, fun. He's clever. He's, he's clean. Yeah. He's clean. Mr. Beast isn't always clean. Mr. Beast is ridiculous. Like he gives away ten thousand dollars for the person who can't be found. Oh, in, he gives in away a ghost a, town, and yeah. it's like, and then all of a sudden it's like, so, like unlike Rober, Mr. Beast is like fluff, literal fluff entertainment. Yeah, there's with his friends nothing just being redeeming ridiculous. about watching. Whereas Rober, you come away learning stuff. Yeah, a lot. Even like the squirrel obstacle course, he talks about how cats always land on their feet because squirrels use the same. Like brain body connection to land when he launches the squirrels off of a catapult. Cats, and we have cats, so it's fascinating to watch them. They fix their eyes on something, kind of like a, a figure skater or a ballerina. They fix their eyes on something, and the cats actually like manipulate their body, and their eyes stay locked on the target. It's, it's great science. Anyway, Mark Rover has a great thing on Shark Week where he tests the hypothesis that sharks will smell and are attracted to one drop of human blood. I'll find it and send you the link. It's, it's entertaining. That's It's just pure entertainment. Did it work? Um, no, sharks are not attracted to a single drop of human blood. That's the moral of the story on that. Only vampires. Something like that. So, Vampire sharks. So, VBS, this is my final thing that I will say for now. Uh, I have been appreciating the fact that God's word, even when it's packaged for kids, is still living and active and effective in any soul. And I'm specifically talking about my soul. But like today, the whole, you know, they're on a shipwreck, the whole the whole thing about VBS this week is trust Jesus. So, when life is hard, trust Jesus. When life is scary, trust Jesus. And today was when when you feel hopeless or you need hope, trust Jesus. And uh, now I can't remember the Bible verse, which is funny because it's a Seeds. They were using a Seeds family worship song to remember it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with Joshua you. Joshua 1.9. Wherever you go. I think so. Anyway, I'm Ooh. picturing the Seeds song in my head and I think that's what it is but um, the so I've been struggling with weariness with as I posted on our Instagram stories a uh, Paul Tripp quote where he says um, are you weary of the struggles of living in a broken down world remember that a brand new world is coming and you'll struggle no more and I have been struggling with that weariness for a variety of reasons um, for the past few days and um, appreciated that reminder from Paul Tripp, but even just the reminder from VBS and some of the songs that we, sing, we sang um, were Look to Jesus, Jesus is your only rock, Jesus is your only hope. And then at the end, the pastor who is from our church is doing VBS in partnership with another church so that we can not tax all of our church's volunteers. And they apparently didn't feel like they had the manpower to do their own. So really, the pastor I feel like they're a lot bigger than we are with the Christian school and all of this. I don't know. Anyway, it's I'd say the volunteer ratio is about 50 50 with them and us, mm. but their pastor is the one who does the pastory talks oh, fun. and prayers and he uh, he did a little sermonette at the end which none of the kids listened to because they're all ready to go and tired out from three straight hours of BBSing but he was like you guys all know the story of the little engine that could right and he's like what does the little engine say when she's carrying the train up and you know, some kid shouts out, I think I can. And he's like, right, she's going up the hill. She says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. That's a good story, isn't it? But it's not good news. Because can you? Can you do it on your own? And then, so he, then he 
he Jesus jukes the story, but in a really good way. And he's, um, he basically says, you know, what we should say when we're trying to do things is, though I can't, Jesus can. So then I think that's, yeah. So he puts that into that. I think I can. I think I can. Though I can't, Jesus can. Though I can't, Jesus can. And I was like, hey. I like that. That's not, that doesn't bother me. Okay. I, I'm actually not that concerned if it bothers you because it doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, no, I just thought it was good because I, I appreciate hooking things like that to kids' stories because we can still keep... Um, we can read that story now, and that's for me anyway, but possibly for our kids also, it's going to be a hook in their brain yeah. that, um, you know, oh, there's there's a better gospel version of this story. And it's it's a fine story. It's a good story. And try things that seem hard. Mm-hmm. But there's also in the back of their minds now is the, you know, I there are a lot of things like, you know, I can't do anything on my own. I... Uh, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And scripture is just replete with reminders that we have to rely on Jesus. Our good works, apart from Jesus, are filthy rags. And we get weary and heavy laden when we yoke ourselves to anything except Jesus. And um, I don't know. I'm excited now because we have that book. And I'm excited to remind our kids of the Jesus version of it whenever we read it. But it was also a good reminder for me, myself, that um, apart from Jesus, I, you know, on Christ the solid rock I stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. Yeah. Yeah. All those little indicators when you're upset, when you're angry, when you're you know, there's a lot of things to think about. But one of those things is am I putting my trust somewhere where it shouldn't be? Am I yoking myself to something that I shouldn't be yoked to? Mm-hmm. Am I... Yeah, one thing I've been thinking about a lot with... Um, I don't know. We haven't talked about critical race theory on the show for a while, but... It's old news. It is old news, but we're still thinking <laughs> about it, and we're still engaging with it. Oh, yeah. You know, on social media and in our own world and in our conversations off offline, literally. <laughs> um, and, you know, the reminder with that, as well as in in our day to day practical living out is just we have to believe the solas of the Reformation mm-hmm. that really it is only scripture that provides us with an infallible rule for life and it may be that our experience contradict seems to contradict scripture but which one <laughs> which one is eternal and unchanging and infallible our experience of the world or our understanding of current science or and when the statistics two, about race or when whatever. the two become when the two are in conflict mm-hmm. which one supersedes the other we have to diligently train ourselves and our kids that the word is the only solid place for us to find mm-hmm. and i don't know i guess i've just been reminded of that in the last few days that where i'm like eight days behind on my bible reading it and that's after having like given up on one section and yeah. just decided I'm going to get caught up on on the section that is the book of Acts. So, um, but I fall behind and I'm like, ugh, ugh, you know, and get up in the morning and I've got to rush the kids off to VBS and we're running late. And so I miss Bible reading again today. And, um, you know, it that comes at a cost that is bigger than I necessarily recognize in the moment. Because the dishes pile up on the counter if I don't do those, and it's very noticeable. But the not having my mind steeped in the word is not a visible cost, but it is an actual cost. Right. That's all I got. (laughs) Well, good. We're at 50 minutes. We're actually ending on time. I don't know why I picked 50 minutes, but... 
not quite an hour, not quite less than an hour. Somewhere in there. Well, again, you guys, uh, if we've mentioned anything, if Molly's mentioned anything on the show, because she did all the talking today. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I've been walking around taking pictures all day and not talking she, to people. <laughs> <laughs> if she has mentioned anything on the show today, uh, I'll link it uh, on in the show notes, everything that I can remember and, and have notes for. And if you like what you heard, you can send us a message at tb2f at pm.me you can email us or you can uh, shoot us a text message at 406-318-7136 finally you can use the postcard option on our website and we do love hearing from you we get weekly feedback um, from a variety of people on a variety of different topics which is super fun like um, like Carly who sent us an Instagram message and said that our episode about people are weird and hard and parasites was her favorite one yet and I was like <laughs> Okay, like, we have a niche, and we are weird, and there are people who are our people who fit that niche. Parasites and weird art. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so feel free to send us a message on any one of those things. And if you like what you've heard, obviously the greatest compliment uh, you can give us is to share us with your friends. So that's super rad. Um, Other than that, we try to put out a weekly show, so we'll try to get one out next week. Uh, even though I think we'll be camping for the week uh, on a big family. And by family, I mean extended family uh, camping trip. Um, I don't think we're going to have a freezing family Christmas for another. I don't know how. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so we'll try to get a show out. Um, if, if anything, we'll pre record it before we leave. And uh, it'll be great because. Because we're great. Because. <laughs> no, not true. We're always we're not great. Uh, Anyway, I think that's all I got. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.